hi. Welcome to the Kinexus Continuous Improvement Podcast. I'm Mark Raven. Today, we've got a conversation with two guests, uh, two physicians. We're joined by Dr. Greg Jacobson, who is an emergency medicine physician, and you may know him as, you probably know him as the co-founder and CEO of Kinexus. And we're also joined by Dr. Bonson Miller, um, an, in, an internist, internal medicine um, specialist. Um, so Greg and Bonson, thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Internist is not the hardest word to say in the medical realm. I, I really stumble over words like podiatrist, but. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Bonson, maybe if you want to introduce yourself um, and, you know, I think it would be also interesting to hear a little bit about your story of how you were first exposed to continuous improvement concepts as a physician, or I'll try to say it again, as an internist. See, it wasn't yeah. that hard. <laughs> That's easy. Um, well, well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm, I'm an assistant professor of medicine uh, at the University of Virginia um, in the section of hospital medicine. So um, I, I practice mostly as a hospitalist, uh, similar to an internist. Um, I'm also involved in resident education, um, including various quality and projects with uh, med students and residents. You know, uh, a little bit about my background. Uh, I'm from Louisiana. I went to Louisiana State University School of Medicine uh, in New Orleans. Um, I graduated in 2011. Um, I stayed on at LSU to complete my um, internal medicine residency training. Um, and then after that, um, I completed a, a one-year patient safety and quality improvement fellowship at Our Lady of the Lake Hospital in Baton Rouge. And, um, and, and that's really when I got involved in, in resident education and quality improvement projects and um, had some exposure to, to Kinexus um, at that institution um, at Our Lady of the Lake Hospital. Um, and so, you know, since then, I've been working with residents and students on uh, various quality improvement projects and kind of along the way, um, recognizing a lot of the, the challenges um, that the residents face um, and faculty for that matter, with, with integrating uh, quality improvement education, quality improvement projects with um, their residency training. And, and maybe we can touch a little bit on, um, you know, patient safety and quality. I mean, how would you frame that for the general public listeners around um, some of the need and the importance around um, dedicated efforts around patient safety and quality? Yeah. Uh, um, I think there are tons of opportunities in healthcare. I mean, dating back to uh, to air is human. Um, we, we know there are a lot of opportunities in, in healthcare uh, to improve the quality and the, and the safety uh, that we deliver. Um, and around 2012, the ACGME, um, that's the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, they, they put out a set of initiatives and uh, quality improvement was one of those initiatives that they came out with. And that was um, for guidance for health system leadership, uh, as well as the graduate medical education leadership. Um, and, and they really laid out um, that quality improvement and patient safety would be a priority moving forward. And so that's kind of when um, the, the residents and, and medical students started getting a little more integrated with quality improvement and patient safety. And Greg, maybe let me turn things back um, to you a little bit to think back to your time um, as a student, as a resident, as a professor, um, and, and some of your discovery of um, quality improvement practices? So my journey precedes um, Monson's a little bit. So I was a resident in emergency medicine until 04, joined the faculty at Vanderbilt. And uh, I, I'm sure I did a quality project 
in, as a resident because it was a requirement. But I can tell you this, I certainly, it wasn't that big of a deal um, and it wasn't meaningful. And, uh, but I, I was always the person that uh, was asking, you know, what if we did it this way and why did we do it that way? And so the chairman handed me Mizaki Mai's book, which I actually have right up here. Mizaki Mai's book, I realize this is an audio, but Mizaki Mai's book, Kaizen. And uh, it really just transformed my life because it was this, this realization that there was this huge amount of improvement of knowledge or uh, discipline that had been formed over decades, which, which interestingly started in the United States back in the 30s transferred over in J Japan in the 50s and had really become um, a, a, a pretty robust body of knowledge and, and a framework that could really be applied to any situation and the applicability to healthcare was not lost on me. And, and so there was, there was this connection between the ACGME core competencies that you know, preceding 2012, they were called core competencies. There were six of them. I think they came out in the in the, the late '90s, and and they were they were really uh, there was no prescription on how they should uh, be done, and 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 it was just these overarching principles. I think I wonder if they became more prescriptive in 2012 with what what you're referring to. But one of them was called system based practice, and if you read the system based practice, you you had the overwhelming sense that uh, quality improvement was was really what they were talking about. And so um, when when Bonson reached out to me now about a month ago and, and he said, hey, have you ever thought of using Kinexus in an ACGME uh, framework? It just just reignited all these, um, the historical context of how, how Kinexus began almost 15 years prior. And um, one thing led to another, I was like, oh, we should, we should kind of capture the, the real, this, this kind of arc of a story of of um, me almost 15 plus years ago having this realization and then, you know, what's happened since, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Greg. So Bonson, let's um, bounce things back over to you. Um, one, one thing you were talking about was um, the challenges that residents and students face. Um, I was wondering you know, if you could talk about, maybe there's two levels to that, or correct me if I'm wrong, there's challenges that come up in the day-to-day -day delivery of care. And then there are, are challenges that are faced in terms of improving care. Is that is that fair to say? Exactly. Uh, I think residency training can be a very busy time um, and residents are often pulled in many directions. So um, quality improvement, unfortunately, is looked at as kind of a, a, another task or uh, another thing that has to be completed by residents and it's not fully integrated into workflow. So uh, time is often a big obstacle uh, for the residents. Um, infrastructure is is another obstacle. Um, there are not a lot of faculty uh, uh, that have the QI knowledge to really uh, coach or mentor residents. Um, so that that's also uh, has been a challenge. Uh, so Bonson, when you talk about infrastructure, could you elaborate on, on what you mean by um, you know, a lack of an infrastructure or what a helpful infrastructure is when it comes to improvement work? Yeah, so I, I think it's it, quality, the field of quality improvement is relatively new um, in, in the medical field, um, especially with graduate medical education. So um, you don't have uh, a, a robust group of faculty um, at some institutions who uh, are, are well versed or formally trained in quality improvement. 
um, hence not being able to mentor or coach residents. Um, so, so I think having the faculty mentorship is, is one opportunity there. And, and also alignment between the residency programs um, and the health system or the hospital in which they train. Uh, there's good intent uh, between the residency program leadership and hospital leadership, but uh, often aren't on the same page um, as far as working together uh, to, to provide opportunities with quality improvement uh, provide infrastructure, uh, certain resources, um, shared quality uh, projects. Uh, so, so there, there's often a, a disconnect there, and I think that's another um, opportunity to to improve resident engagement. And and then you know, let's say if you had that coaching capability and alignment within the organization, you know, I'm curious from your perspective, what you've seen related to Kinexus and the technology side of things that if you had the other things in place, um, what other parts of infrastructure would be helpful or have you seen be helpful? Yeah. So the, the ACGME is part of the clinical learning environment review uh, in which quality improvement is one of those six uh, pieces. Um, they, they do recommend um, that quality improvement work should be interdisciplinary. So uh, I can see where leadership could facilitate interdisciplinary uh, projects. Uh, and they, they also um, recommend um, uh, programs capture uh, the activities that residents are doing. So I can see technology assisting with uh, the interdisciplinary approach as well as the, the tracking and recording of, of different projects. I think residents... Um, often work in silos. And, and so um, having something to help facilitate an interdisciplinary um, group or work um, could, would be helpful. Um, so Greg, let me kick it back over to you for, for your thoughts on, on this or any follow-up questions you have for Bonson. Yeah, I was gonna, my, my, one of my follow-up questions was gonna be, could you give some examples of some of the quality improvement efforts or projects that residents have been involved in that have been successful and then perhaps some that have been you know a struggle or haven't been successful i'd love to hear kind of boots on the ground 2020 that's a good question i think the a lot of projects are not successful um whether they start off really well uh, and don't finish for various reasons um or just do not get buy-in on the front end um, and, and that's a theme that we've seen uh, published in the literature. So um, a lot of good intent by the residents, but unfortunately, a lot of the QI is not sustained or completed. Um, so I, I think it's important to, to embrace their frontline perspective, understand what helps the residents, what they want to do. So uh, instead of force feeding projects on residents, um, kind of letting the resident form their own project kind of happen organically. Um, those are the ones that I've seen be most successful. Um, I recently worked on a, a, a QI project um, with transitions of care and handoff. So um, allowing some of the night nursing staff to write uh, point of care or brief uh, summary notes of the care overnight of the patient. So when the resident uh, comes in the next day or during the day, um, they often don't have time or can't talk to the night nurse, but they can have a, a note uh, to give them a brief summary of what happened overnight. So that's a win-win. Uh, it's, it's more efficient care. It's informative. It helps the residents, um, but it also helps patient care. So I think picking the project is very important. Um, not rushing the project, having a good team, um, 
will also help sustainability. I'm thinking of two things when you tell me that story. One, I, I couldn't agree more with my experience in getting people to have buy-in to process improvement, quality improvement, continuous improvement, that there is this overwhelming urge to want to feed someone what, what they should be working on versus allowing people to engage in what's important to them. And so one of the things I remember that was really successful you know, 15 years ago when I was working on this uh, with residents was to identify what's frustrating to you um, when you're kind of pulling your hair out. That's a great opportunity to think, wait a minute, there, there might be a process issue underlying this. Maybe we could work on something. And so I love the example of handoff. I mean, residents hand off each other all the time. And so that's a pain point, um, obviously. And if you could help a resident or a group of residents work on, uh, you know, pain points that are meaningful to them, they'll, they'll want to engage. They'll have that intrinsic motivation to engage with it. But also it, uh, what's so amazing about, about continuous improvement is that safety issues and cost savings, which are kind of the two things you classically think of as, as like the big things, those often end up becoming side effects of other projects that really had to do more with satisfaction or just making it easier for someone to get their job done. And so I'm sure if we dove into this, you know, handoff, there was probably an inefficiency component or a frustration component, but I'll bet it ended up saving, you know, time or, it, you know, created a more safe handoff because obviously handoffs are the the most dangerous part in healthcare. I don't know if you could riff on that a bit. No, exactly. And, and that project came from the front line. So that came from the residents. Um, it was their idea. It was something they had buy-in uh, with and it improved uh, their efficiency and, and ultimately improved patient care through um, the, the transition piece. So I think that's really important. Uh, and that goes to show just embracing the, the perspective of the front line uh, is extremely important um, when it comes to helping with projects. And, and I think uh, we know, and you probably know this as an ER doc, uh, a large part of the day is spent on indirect care. And uh, as more and more work piles up, more and more patients, more and more, um, you know, uh, either the electronic medical record uh, or residents being pulled in so many different directions, it's really important to nail down some of these workflow efficiency pieces uh, and, and use quality improvement tools to do that. I think um, it, it's amazing. Uh, there is a large chunk of the day um, spent in indirect care for residents. So the more we can get the residents in front of the patient at the bedside uh, on, on meaningful uh parts of patient care. I think that not only helps the patient, but also the education piece. Yeah, I'm thinking of two things that I found that were successful um, when I was doing this. And they, they translate they translate perfectly into continuous improvement in general, number one, but number two, you know, even into Kinex as a company. But I like how you said um, that residents picked it. And so it sounds like it wasn't just one resident that was working on it. Maybe it was, is that true? It was maybe one or two or three or group. I find that when we have a strategic project here at Kinexus and back when I was doing improvements with residents in the emergency department, when you had more than one person working on something, it kind of creates a bit more energy and it creates almost accountability almost becomes a little bit of a side effect. And, and I'm going to replace the 
um, word accountability with responsibility because you've, right. you've heard Mark talk a little bit about that. Um, you realize that those words are synonymous, but one actually has probably better intent. And so everyone feels like they have this a bigger responsibility to make things a little bit better. And uh, and then the second thing I wanted to say was, uh, so, so one, put a couple residents on an, on an idea or an opportunity for improvement. Don't just put one person working in silo. And then two, really pick something that's small. Um, it, it, overwhelmingly, what I saw was a resident will have an idea, want to get involved with something. And what they decide to bite off is really a complex problem that just, the, the tentacles go really deep. So if you can get a resident on something really um, small in scope, the chance of success is way higher because what you really don't really care so much if they're with the improvement that they're making, if that makes sense. What you really care is to develop a habit for a for these young physicians to realize that they can impact positive change in the workplace that they're going to be in in the future. And hopefully so they can have this insight. Oh, when I'm a hospitalist or when I'm an ER doctor or wherever I go, this is some tools that I learned and that I can continue to apply. So pick something super small, they're gonna be successful to develop that, you know, to use um, a Duhigg's habit loop to develop that habit. So when they see a cue, they can do the routine and then they can get the benefit. If they pick a project that's so big, well, I mean, they have to learn this huge body of medicine. They have to learn how to be a physician. It's just, it's just a lot to ask um, for. So I, I don't know if that's your experience, but small things, group things, those seem to be more successful when we're talking about getting residents involved in quality improvement. Very, very important. One of my first mentors told me when we were kicking around quality improvement ideas, he said, cut it in half and then cut it in half again. Um, so it's <laughs> important. Residents are often not uh, as experienced and, and they do have big ideas and um, very creative. And I think that's another reason to engage uh, the frontline residents. Um, but again, they do need some guidance on, on scope of project. Um, that, that reminds me of a project we did um, at OLOL um, on blood culture contamination. Um, you know, we noticed some in the emergency department and also in the, in the ICUs, uh, we had a fair amount of blood cultures that were, were deemed contaminants uh, a couple of days later. Um, and instead of rolling something out housewide, uh, we engaged phlebotomy, we engaged nursing staff and a handful of residents, and we just started in the medicine ICU. So we started in a small uh, contained environment uh, that was the ICU. We did a few PDSA cycles and got an idea of um, you know, what, what was going on, why the cultures were, were contaminated. We looked at the process of how the blood cultures were drawn, and we really honed that in the medical ICU. Um, and before we expanded it, now I believe it, it's housewide or at least in the emergency department. So I think that was good. That was a good learning example um, on our end. Well, and I think that learning points to some of the examples of the types of coaching you might have been referring to, Bonson, because you know I've seen in a lot of organizations there's a tendency uh, to form a committee that's going to meet monthly in a conference room somewhere, where it sounds like you were helping guide people toward a much more active approach of, of getting out there, finding out what's really happening and breaking the problem down. I think, you know, it's great advice, making it small and, and go and test and do something. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm curious to your, your thoughts on, um, you know, that idea or other elements of coaching that you would provide to people doing improvement work in healthcare. Yeah. I think the, the, Prep work is extremely important. Um, assembling your team is also very important. If you can do that on the 
front end uh, that will often save you a lot of headaches uh, while you're going through the actual intervention. Um, so that's that's something I learned as well. And understanding the the learning environment of the residents. So another challenge is the the rotations. Um, so residents often rotate monthly. So designing a project, whether that's a small cohort of residents and students and attending just for that month, um, or you could consider projects on a specific unit uh, that has residents rotate in and out. So just knowing the environment uh, will, will also help um, with that buy-in and uh, the success of the, the project. Yeah, obviously a little biased being being the CEO and co-founder of Kinexus, but to me that that's where back in 05, when I started to think through this, why we we initially went to email and and then realized oh we needed a piece of technology because we needed a way to do asynchronous communication about this because you have residents that are i mean in the emergency department it's 24 7 365 so you have some people that are on nights and days and swings and different er's and whatnot and so to me i think that's where a technology can really excel to bring all these people in so if it doesn't get wrapped up on a on a four or six or an eight week rotation that person still gets to follow along with the the project and and, and see it to its fruition. So um, it's certainly a, an opportunity um, to to to. to we always talk about oh, synchronous collaboration is, is where it's at. I actually think that synchronous collaboration is not where it's at. I think asynchronous collaboration is um, oftentimes as important, if not more important, to to make sure. That there's momentum to, to see things to its, its fruition. Um, I'm I'm wondering where you see where you see whether it's. I'm I'm curious. To, is it um, AC a GME or quality improvement um, in general, or at, at UVA, or or just some forward thinking thoughts along these lines of, of how residents can can get more involved in what I think is the most important work in healthcare to date, um, continuous improvement. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so like I said, in 2012 is when the ACGME put out guidance on quality improvement. And I, and I think we still have a long ways to go um, with integrating and engaging residents. Um, I think there's been some progress made in the education front, whether it's uh, designing curriculum, um, uh, as, as a kind of an extra side, uh, like a QI Academy for residents or some longitudinal education mixed in uh, throughout the three to five years of a residency program. But I think the piece that's missing is more of the, the boots on the ground uh, project work. Uh, and I think we have a ways to go there. Um, you know, uh, some of the challenges I know we already talked about, but I think faculty development is big. Um, just having more mentors and coaches helping the residents um, and also more integration into the, the workflow that residents have. Uh, again, we talked about residents being pulled in so many different directions. And if you can find projects uh, or creating some kind of infrastructure around the residents to allow them to, to work on projects or continuous quality improvement during their workday or during their workflow um, will, uh, I think, help tremendously. But I think there's a, there's a long ways, ways to go as far as residents and quality improvement projects. Uh, one of the things that... I, I can't help but think of is it, it probably makes more sense when you're thinking about a resident 
education in process improvement to, to teach one or two tools really, really well versus trying to give a huge survey. So I'm thinking, um, Mark, you, you've obviously, you know, the, my, my paper about Kaizen and it was in uh, emergency medicine abstracts, if I'm not mistaken, back in 08. Oof. Kaizen, a method for improving the emergency department or something along those lines. But we broke down, I mean, initially my lecture was like two hours long and then eventually it just became this 10 minute primer. I think there were like 12 bullet points of these are the easiest things to, to think about. I think it was like non-value added steps, no ideas, too small. But just teaching a couple of almost soundbite level things that are super easy to remember that if you just apply these for, if everyone would just apply a couple of simple things for their entire career, healthcare would be way better off than, you know, needing everyone to become black belts and having, you know, extensive knowledge um, to, to be able to participate. If we just had just a couple, whether it's, whether it's teaching five whys or whether it's teaching a good fishbone or, or whether it's uh, teaching an A3, I mean, just pick one or two things and, and hammer those home versus trying to make everyone a, a CI expert. Completely agree. I think we need to get back to basics. Um, yeah. And some residents don't want to know much about QI, whereas some <laughs> residents want to be experts and maybe pursue a fellowship in QI, yeah. or a leadership role. So um, I, I think we need to get back to basics and again, create um, something that's sustainable. So whenever you finish your residency program, uh, you, you don't have a, a bad taste in your mouth about QI. Uh, you understand some of the basics. So when you go and practice on your own, uh, wherever that may be, um, you have some tools on your belt um, that you can, whether improve your patient's care or your clinic uh, or whatnot. So I, I think getting back to basics is extremely important and focusing on just a few core uh, pieces of education. Sounds like really good advice. Of keeping things simple, going back to basics, taking baby steps, I think, yeah. I mean, I've, 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 I've received that advice and I've tried to pass that advice along um, through my work. So I appreciate you sharing that, Bonson. We really appreciate the, uh, the, the discussion. Um, maybe else we'll, we'll kind of go round robin and give each of you um, kind of opportunity to share one final thought for the audience here. Um, Bonson, how can I ask you to, uh, well, I'll put you on the spot and ask you to do that first. <laughs> No problem. Um, and, and before we end, thanks for having me. Uh, I think um, we've, we've made significant progress in quality improvement and resident education, but I think there needs to be a lot done to, to fully integrate uh, the two uh, and, and mainly with project work. Um, and so what can we do to um, engage residents on the front line, get their perspective and facilitate them um, really improving the care that they provide? I think it's extremely important. Um, so I, I appreciate all the insight and thoughts and uh, the, the work you all are doing, um, and hopefully we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's great. So uh, my my thoughts to kind of wrap things up with regard to resident education, my challenge to to people that are focusing on that is does someone need to memorize one more piece of medical information uh, that may change in five years or 10 years versus understanding the importance of 
having a methodology, having an approach, having a realization that our healthcare system is broken and that we all have a personal responsibility to engage in fixing uh, what we can fix when we see things that are, are glaring um, is uh, something that I challenge really people that are, are training residents to think about right now. Do, do we really need the, the sixth thing on the differential for a, a disease or, or should, we, should we just, I'm not saying that we need to spend you know, 50% of our time uh, training residents and becoming improvement experts, but, but having some thread throughout a three or five year residency that um, can, can build up these habits, I think will impact our patients um, down, the, down the road in more meaningful ways. And so um, that's, that's, my, that's my closing remarks and, and, and I'll just leave it with a continuous improvement uh, training and education for residents matters. And I, I would chime in with a final thought involving everybody in improvement matters. And, you know, the lean methodology and the Kaizen methodology really encourages us to embrace and listen to and engage the frontline people doing the work. And um, that that's, that's physicians. And I, I see the heads nodding in our Zoom meeting here. I think, you know, that, that applies to everybody else working within healthcare. But I think when physicians and physician leaders really demonstrate that there are positive ripple effects through the rest of the organization to help emphasize that improvement is for everybody. So thank you for, to both of you for your leadership on that front. Thank you, Mark. Thanks. Thanks, Bonson. Thanks, Greg.